0: Growing up, I thought that only two kinds of music existed, church hymns and country music. (laughs) The radio was on at our house from shortly after breakfast until dinnertime. My mother especially liked to listen to it all day long. I remember it was a black transistor radio with a long antenna that sat on its own shelf, in the kitchen, and it was perpetually tuned to KBOW, Butte, Montana. And it played nothing but country music. Dolly Pardon, Mary Robbins, Hank Williams, senior and junior, Loretta Lynn, Charlie Pride, the Oak Ridge Boys, Tammy Wynette, Patsy Cline, Mel Tillis, Johnny Cash, and many, many more. Of course, one of the greats in country music died just Friday. George Jones was 81 years old. I grew up with George Jones. Song after song poured out of this radio, filling our house with the twang of the popular country singers of the day. The music was interrupted only for the news from Paul Harvey, and the livestock report. (laughs) My parents listened intently to these. The only time we kids really had to be quiet was when the price of pork bellies and corn futures was being announced, and when Paul Harvey was giving his version of the news. (laughs) Of course, the church hymns we sang were sung at the little Protestant church that we attended every Sunday as a family. The love that church gave me complemented the love that I knew at home. As the Grand Old Opry filled our ears with music every Saturday night, we could imagine ourselves there. We could see in our minds the glittering outfits of the performers, we could imagine the crowd eager to see the newest stars and to hear some of their favorites, too. I will fully admit to having wept the first time I visited the home of the Opry, the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee, in 2000. To be in that beautiful concert hall where so many of my musical idols had performed was a religious moment. And when Grandma and Grandpa got a television set, we could see all these stars on Hee (laughs) Haw. Hee Haw on Sunday nights. If it could be helped, we never missed an episode of Hee Haw. Cousin Minnie Pearl was a favorite of mine. Half your aunt, half drag queen. So how did I wind up in Concord, Massachusetts, (laughs) you ask? How, indeed. We all come from some place quite particular, and we are all carried where life takes us. My life has taken me some amazing places so far. Study abroad in Seoul, South Korea, and Amsterdam, Holland extensive travels in Central America, from jobs as a grocery store clerk and an espresso barista to ministry, from a long series of cheap apartments to homeowner and landlord, from cars that would constantly break down to ones that were new, from brothers and sisters-in-law to nieces and nephews, abundant friends, And always, church at the center of it all. In some ways, by my coming to Concord, my family name has come full circle. (laughs) The first record of a Dana in colonial America was in Cambridge in 1640. The only thing that I have been able to discover about this Richard Dana was that he fell to his death from a scaffolding. (laughs) Tragic and telling. Most surely brought from England on some small sailing ship, this unknown ancestor of mine likely worked in the building trades. He likely struggled to make a living in this new land. And because of this struggle, his name has been passed down to me centuries later. We all come from some place quite particular, and we are all carried where life takes us. As the terrible events unfolded from the Boston Marathon bombing, I found myself pondering what it really means to be in the right place at the right time, or conversely, in the wrong place at the wrong time. This premeditated attack was horrible, it is still fresh for all of you and for me. And we live in a world where attacks happen with too much regularity and yet we go on because we must. I have walked through Copley Square many times without wondering if I was in danger and I have traveled places in this world where danger was a given the more I thought about the Boston marathon bombing the less I could make sense of why some were killed and injured and others completely spared simply by being further from the bombs and as tragic as these events absolutely were I'm glad that we do not live in a world where fate determines whether we will be harmed or not I'm glad we do not live in a world where good fortune is preordained for some and not for others. I'm glad that we do not live in a world that allows us to forget the fragile humanity of us all. We all know far too well that there are systems of inequality and injustice in every country on earth. Part of what is so shocking to us about an attack like the one on April 15th is that it happened to us in Boston, in Copley Square, during the marathon. Bombs happen every day in less familiar places in this world. Violence happens frequently in some of Boston's neighborhoods. And this only brings my point home. It is our illusion that was shattered two weeks ago. Short of staying locked in our houses, none of us can be assured that we will be safe anywhere or anytime. What we can be assured of is that turning a blind eye to the violence of our world will do us no good. Life may take us in and out of dangerous situations on a daily basis. It is what we do with that realization that makes all the difference. One of the images of God that most appeals to me is the idea of God as the connective tissue that joins me to you and all of us, to everyone in the world. Connective tissue holds the human body together In any given place, this tissue might be part of the foot or the hand, the organs or the muscles. When looked at scientifically, the connective tissue only exists as part of something else, yet it is what provides a cohesiveness to the whole body. It's what holds the body together, and it's what allows the body to heal. In his book, Generation to Generation, Rabbi Edwin Freeman writes When a wound occurs, there are two kinds of tissue that must heal the connective tissue below the surface and the protective tissue of the skin. If the protective tissue heals too quickly, healing the connective tissue will not be sound, causing other problems to surface later or worse never to surface at all. If we think of God as the metaphoric connective tissue that holds us and heals us, then we will realize that each of us was at the finish line when the bombs went off. Each of us was one of the medical responders who instinctively helped. Each of us was one of the shocked and bewildered wounded. Each of us dare I say it, was connected to the terribly misguided young men who planted the bombs. As parts of the whole, we must all work together lest the body fail to heal. We must see our part in both the problem and the solution. And herein lies the rub. It is not enough to just avoid Copley Square or the Boston Marathon from now on. One of my professors in seminary was Buddhist, earth activist, Joanna Macy. In her book, World as Lover, World as Self, she tells a story of being among a group of people who were despairing the state of the world. I'm sure you've been in such a group from time to time. And one member of the group declared that the only thing to do was to take care of one's self. This woman stated emphatically, the best thing to do is to take control of your own life. Leave the polluted air of the city, she said. Drink pure spring water, eat produce that you have grown yourself, or no first hand is safe. She said with firmness, that's all we can do now, is take care of ourselves. Joanna Macy says that she listened to this woman attentively, knowing that her logic was impeccable. And then she remembered a higher truth. She writes, Thanks to his teaching of the radical interdependence of all phenomena, the Buddha set compassion in a context that extends far beyond personal virtue. It affirms the basic nature of our existence. He taught that social institutions co-arise with us. They are not independent structures separate from our inner lives, like some backdrop to our personal dramas against which we can display our virtues of courage and compassion. Nor are they mere projections or reflections of our own minds as institutionalized forms of our ignorance, fears, and greed. They acquire their own dynamics. Self and society are both real and mutually causative. They co-arise, or in Thich Han's phrase, they inter-are. Like it or not, We are part of the very systems of injustice and inequality that create the bonds in this world. The connective tissue of God binds us each to all, and this same connective tissue will also allow for the healing of the world, if we will let it. Whenever fear and ignorance and greed arise, we too are connected to their byproducts. It is never enough to simply Protect ourselves. If we had enough time this morning, each of you could tell a story or two from your childhood. You could bring to life the details of where and how you grew up. You could tell us about things in your childhood that prepared you well for life and things that prepared you poorly. You could tell stories of happy childhood memories and tragic ones too. For you have known joy and sorrow just like everyone else in the room. And you could tell stories of how you got here. Here being Massachusetts, here being a Unitarian Universalist, here being First Parish in Concord. Your life began in a particular time and place it has taken a particular path. And the particularities of what will happen next are quite unknown to you. All any of us has is this exact moment, right now. One of the people at my last church whom I most admired was an older woman who exudes life and good cheer. For the sake of this sermon, I will call her Carol. Carol is a fabric artist who turns cloth into wearable art. She has been involved for many years in helping refugee families get settled into the Harrisburg area. Carol has taught adult literacy classes. She has held leadership positions in the church. She and her husband hike and kayak. Carol is kind and generous and upbeat in all she does. So you can imagine my surprise a couple of years into my ministry when one of Carol's friends confided in me that she had not always been that way. Without a bit of malice in her voice, Carol's friend told me, Carol wasn't always a very nice person, you know. She went on to tell me how About with brain cancer made Carol reevaluate her life and what she was doing with it. Carol survived a long and painful treatment of chemotherapy that left her with permanent balance problems affecting how she walks to this day. Prior to her beating cancer, Carol had been a type A out of my way, forced to be reckoned with. Rather than bringing people together, Carol was a divisive force. People at church had put up with her, but they had not especially liked her. Wow, what a change. Without the revelation of her friend, I would never have known about Carol's extraordinary journey to becoming the kind, generous person that she is today. I would never have given credit to all the good people of that church who had not given up on Carol, but rather helped see her through to her better self. I'm sure that you have a similar story to tell, if not about yourself, then about someone you know. Make no mistake about it, we are all on this journey together. We all walk side by side day after day with the full range of good and evil available. We walk with friends and family. We walk amongst enemies and those that would do us harm. We walk through safety and danger. We walk with confidence and with trepidation, but we do not walk alone. One of the true joys of religious community is that there is always a place for you here you will always be able to come to this house of worship and know that you are home. This group of imperfect people will sometimes disappoint you. They will sometimes make you angry or frustrated or sad. They will never quite live up to your expectations of them, but they will welcome you in to sit among them week after week. And in so doing, I promise they will change you for the better. The beauty of growing up in a house filled with country music was that I never doubted that I was part of something greater than myself. For you see, the genius of country music is that it's about life. It's about feelings. There is not an intellectual song in the whole darn genre. (laughs) One of my favorite country music jokes asks, what do you get when you play a country music record backward? (laughs) Answer, you get your wife back, you get your truck back, you get your dog back, you get your dog back. The joke is only funny because so much of country music deals with loss and change. It deals with betrayal, mistakes, and the generally unfair state of things. If your life is hard and has taken a sudden turn for the worse, chances are that there is a country music that speaks directly to your condition. (laughs) And there is another country song that tells you how to get back on the right path like religious community country music is both sympathetic and redemptive it lets you wallow for a time in your misery but it always tells you to get back up dust yourself off and start living again too country music is about finding love and losing it it's about celebrating each birth and grieving each death Country music is about pain and heartache. It is about courage and resilience. And it is about faith and hope and the love that overcomes all hardship. And speaking of love, that is what I have come to Concord to do, simply to love you as my people. I have come to remind you Over and over again, not only that you are loved, but that you possess love, too. You are worthy of love, and you are capable of love. Just as assuredly as I was loved by the congregation that raised me and the congregation that set me out into ministry, I have loved deeply the three congregations that I have served as a minister Through good times and through struggles in each, I have steadfastly proclaimed that love is the greatest gift that we can give one another. We don't have to believe the same things. We don't have to think the same things. We don't have to want the same things. But we can love one another without reservation. We can build the connective tissue of our community with this love. With this love, we can help heal the world. I'm so looking forward to our journey together. So be it. Amen.